From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, November 1st. An organization in Moab helps build affordable and efficient housing with grants from the USDA's Mutual Self-Help Program. Along the way, they're educating builders and providing more space for future homeowners. Justin Higginbottom reports for KZMU. I'm standing on the Community Rebuilds campus. Today they're hosting events for the Natural Building Conference. It's a gathering of those interested in construction using materials like straw bale, soil, and lime mortar, which is being mixed now. A demonstrator takes a glob on what looks like a painter's palette and spreads the paste on the wall of an intern bunkhouse. It can be a little tricky when you first are trying to figure it out, but this stuff is really sticky, so it's nice. Just take a little bit on your hawk and your trowel. And... Yeah. Oh, that good. Oh. <laughs> All the Moab has a housing problem, like other tourist-orientated towns in the region. Amanda Jane Albert is an instructor here. Housing currently is just unreachable by a lot of folks. There's lots of service workers here. There's lots of seasonal people that come in and leave. But the tourist industry and the second home situation has sort of raised the cost of living beyond reach for most of the workers in Moab. Housing that is affordable can be trailers or manufactured homes not suited for Moab's hot summers and cold winters. Her organization solves both problems, providing affordable housing built with material like straw bale that's inexpensive and energy efficient. Their intern program also cuts down on labor costs while training the next generation of natural home builders. One of the benefits of the program here is that we provide a safe, accessible space for anybody who's interested in construction to come and be on a construction site, where it might be intimidating if you're not a typical construction worker to walk up to just some construction site and say, hey, I want to learn. Joa Continentino is an intern from Tallahassee, Florida. He was interested in natural building, but it can be expensive to learn. Something really special about this program is that they do accept people with little to absolutely no experience and that's kind of unheard of to get kind of a foot into the natural building world without going to school. And the close-knit group provides other benefits. You know there's a lot that comes with having a community like that and it's very important for us all to kind of support each other. You know we live and work in the same space and most of us are here all the time. Since 2010, Community Rebuilds has built 52 homes. According to the group, those homes cost around $70 per square foot, which is about half the normal cost. Homeowners also take advantage of federally subsidized loans. I'm inside one of their houses with owner Marie Brophy. She lived in Moab for around five years, car camping her first season and then running rooms. And at that point, it had never actually occurred to me that I could be a part of the program or that I would ever be a homeowner. Um, It still seemed kind of like a crazy idea to me, but uh, I decided to apply. She's lived in the home since 2018. There's plenty of natural light. The tan walls look like they could be carved from desert rock. It's so well designed with the passive solar and the straw bale insulation that I rarely actually run my heat or AC. And in the winter, the sunlight comes in through the south-facing windows, so it warms the house really well. And I might just run my heat for a few hours here or there in the evenings. The program requires homeowners to volunteer around 20 hours a week in building. But Brophy couldn't keep herself away. 
there were some nights I was tiling windowsills until 11 p.m. by little lamp light or whatever. It just feels like my home because I got to be such an active part of building it. Alex Burbage is a construction supervisor. He points out a picture frame in Brophy's house that provides a window into the straw bale insulation. It's called a truth window. It's a tradition, I think, in the natural building world, especially with straw bale houses, to put a truth window to show people, yeah, your house is <laughs> it's, it's made of straw. Affordable housing is one thing, but keeping those homes affordable and finding space for more can also be an issue. Ricky Epperson is the executive director of Community Rebuilds. You can build an affordable house and you can sell it to a low-income family, but once they sell it, it's forever in the current market, which is completely unreasonable. Around five years ago, a program member sold their home after it appreciated by around $100,000 in only two years. She says a lesson her organization learned was to work with others to keep housing and land affordable and open for permanent residents. For example, deed restrictions can prevent homes from ending up as vacation rentals, and land trusts can require development for year-round residents. She helped push the planned Arroyo Crossing development, which will provide 300 units dedicated to housing for local families and workers. Getting everyone together and figuring out how everybody can give a little or nudge a little or like relax a little <laughs> or get serious a little, it takes a village. A village that Epperson is helping to build. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. This story is part of a collaboration between the Solutions Journalism Network and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, highlighting affordable housing solutions across the Mountain West. After another long, dry summer in the West, many are hoping for a wet winter. With reservoirs in the region at record low levels, a lot is riding on what the next few months will bring. But as KUNC's Alex Hager reports, even a snowy winter won't be enough to ease more than two decades of drought. If you've been coming to the same place for a long time, it's easy to notice when things change. On this ranch near Steamboat Springs, Colorado, the telltale signs of drought are everywhere, like in this dusty creek bed. Typically, you'd see at least a little water in this throughout the summer. And as I said, it's, it's just been dry all summer long. Todd Hagenboo's family has been ranching this land for 75 years, and this creek, it feeds into the larger Yamper River. It's quite a shocker because, you know, I'm in my mid-40s, and I remember coming up here as a little kid and moving some rocks around, playing in the water. My kids uh, this year did not get that opportunity, and, and that's kind of a sad state of affairs. And on a working ranch, it's more than just sad. It cuts into the bottom line. Ranchers in the headwaters of the Yampa can't grow and make enough hay and need to buy tons of it to make it through the winter. But as we ride across his property, Hagenboo says that's usually not the end of the world. If we can get a couple good years, you know, with some of the bad years, you can overcome some of that. But we're due for a good year. Which begs the question, will there be enough snow this winter to help erase some of the drought impacting the Yampa and the Colorado River Basin? In short, probably not. You never know exactly what you're going to get with a La Nina. It's certainly not a perfect relationship. That's Becky Bollinger. She's the Colorado Assistant State Climatologist. And La Nina is when a surge of cold water in the Pacific Ocean changes weather patterns over the western U.S. In general, it leans towards the northern mountains would be more likely to have a, a better 
winter season and the southern mountains, the San Juan Mountains, the Sangro de Cristos would might not be able to get as much. And while she describes the La Nina weather pattern as a bit of a crapshoot, right now it's leaning towards most of Colorado being warmer and drier than the historical average. While we do depend on the monsoon season, especially to help uh, fill up those soils before we enter the cold season, um, we, we really need that snowpack to, to kind of really dig out the way that Arizona did with their monsoon. She's alluding to this year's historically wet summer in Arizona. It's another important part of the Colorado River conversation since the state has millions of people using its water. And when I spoke with Arizona state climatologist Erin Ann Saffel, that wet summer was still in full force. A cell just opened up over my house. It's raining cats and dogs out there, and I'm wanting to go look outside the window. But La Nina conditions mean storms like these are not likely to last. And even a great rainy winter in the desert wouldn't turn things around that much. Arizona has been in these drought conditions since the mid-90s. And to fully come out of those drought conditions, we would need to have a few seasons of above average precipitation. And wet seasons in Arizona are literally a drop in the bucket. The majority of water in the Colorado River, the water that feeds farms and taps all the way down to Mexico, it starts as rain and snow high in the mountains of Wyoming and Colorado. And in the long term, Becky Bollinger says climate change will bring shorter winters, warmer temperatures, and drier soil. We know that we are going to have an increasing frequency of droughts And we have seen that in these past 20 years. And that is something that's going to continue. And back in Steamboat Springs, that dry creek bed on Todd Hagenboo's property will not be the last one to lose its water. He sees it as a sign of things to come in other parts of the West. Where this would normally be contributing just a little bit, which contributes to the river, which contributes then to the Colorado River and to the overall basin. It's just another signal that things are dry and we shouldn't expect as much water in the river when places like this have dried up. Turning things around in the Colorado River Basin and bringing more water to the people who depend on it, that's going to take years of above average rain and snow where it matters most. I'm Alex Hager. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, November 1st. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.